found a shell of night at the scene of the crime. Like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, Episode 175 for April 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example is on Venom number 19. Now the description reads that Flash and Betty are on the run and Venom's secret identity has been exposed to his friends and his enemies. Man, Bertoni's going to love this one. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Also add them on Facebook. Just search for Mail Order Comics. Okay, tackling spider reviews, we've got two issues this month. No point ones, they're just regular issues. Amazing 681. Uh, the cover is Spider-Man clutching his throat as he's gasping for oxygen. Human Torch is doing the same. It's the galaxy's greatest superhero, written by Mr. Slot, Mr. Yost. And Camu Coley, this is wrapping up the two-part Human Torch, Spider-Man in Space, rescuing John Jameson again. Uh, let's see. Bertoni, let's start with you. What's your pros and cons and grades of the issue, sir? Spider-Man was rescuing John Jameson in space in issue one. Retread. By the way, you know who else was in issue one with Spider-Man? The Human Torch. Just saying. No. Okay. No, I can't. Um, I, actually, this is, I like this issue more than I've liked it issue in a while. It was just like, it wasn't, you know, nothing will ever be the same. It wasn't, you know, a bunch of, you know, sitcom shenanigans or something like that. Or this villain has an upgrade, you know, and he's more powerful than he'll ever be ever again. It was just a fun Spider-Man, John Jameson, and Human Torch in space story. I'm not really into the Octo Zombies or whatever, but I liked them trying to get out of the space station. And every time they had a plan to get out, it would fail, and they'd have to redirect their plan. And in the part where... um Spider-Man's talking about using his webbing to, um, you know, get rid of the octo-zombie bots or something, and the Human Torch is like, why did you just do that before instead of the oxygen? And Spider-Man, like, had a legitimate brain fart, and the Human Torch is like, you ass, or something like that. I thought that was funny, because in, in real life, you could see something like that happening, like, oh yeah, I probably should have done that before, and... The joke wasn't dwelled on. It didn't, like, stop the scene dead. It was just a funny thing that happened in passing. But it was a nice adventure story. And even though I knew everyone was going to get out of out alive, like, you know, there was some suspense in it for me. So I enjoyed this. I'll give it uh, an A-. minus. Awesome. Uh, Don, what do you think, sir? I think it's one of the rare times where Josh likes something that I don't like as much. Um, because I, 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 it, was, it was sort of an inconsequential issue, but I, I had things that kind of annoyed me about it. Um, it's basically the same as last issue. I thought that the Human Torch was, like, obnoxious as hell. Um, I'm not saying, like, he can't make jokes or whatever, but he was just, like, ripping on Spider-Man left and right to the point where I literally wanted Spider-Man to smack him. He was like, Spider-Man, why don't you do this? You idiot. You're such a... And, like, I kind of rag on that a lot, but I think the Human Torch doesn't have much of a leg to stand on when he doesn't offer up any ideas and nearly gets himself killed in every scene. Um, I thought that... Again, more of this in the successive issues, but I thought Jonas kind of, like, you know, whining about, you know, Modell, if you, if you screw this up and my son dies, then there'll be heck to pay. I kind of getting that a little bit later. Um, I did... I really did like, though, one of my big pros was... Uh, when Spider-Man is using uh, Johnny's smartphone to call uh, Horizon Labs, 
Then James is like, give me that. And so he says, when I get my hands on you, he's like, oh, wrong number. I can see you, you idiot. I thought that was hilarious. Um... I mean, this, this, <laughs> I had this was this wasn't horrible, but I thought there were there was a few things that are kind of annoying. Um, another thing is that like I'm really getting kind of tired of Spider-Man's whole "no one dies, no one dies" because it's like this character's been around for 50 years. He has to. He, I don't like the fact that Slot's saying, "Look, look how awesome Spider-Man is." He's trying to save people because that really was his whole point of being back in the 60s, and it, it feels like Slot's like saying. Look how great Spider-Man is by doing the things that he's been doing before, and I think that's a little bit kind of almost patronizing. Um, I mean, but I, I like the art; it was decent enough. I thought the story was, you know, it wasn't horrible, so I'll give it a middle of the road C. Okay, uh, Jr. What do you think, sir? Well, you know, I really didn't care for the the first part, but strangely enough, I, I did kind of like this one. Um, I mean, I, I agree with Don uh, in that, you know, nothing much, you know, it wasn't a, a great issue. It wasn't an important issue, but I think it uh, it actually uh, follows where um, Spidey and the Torch are talking about, you know, brain-eating zombies. And Spider-Man tells the Torch that eating your, eating your brain would be empty calories. And it's it's kind of like the story. It's, you know, empty calories, but, you know, it's an okay story. I, I gave it a B-. minus. Um, it's still got some problems, though. I mean, Jonas Fury is just so completely overdone. I mean, I, I mean, I know theoretically, and it, and it gets worse in 682. I mean, it just it, it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, yes, Marla, maybe Mar- the fact that Marla recently died is kind of starting to set him off. But you know, it's like him then all of a sudden wanting the death penalty for all the criminals, and then he tells this to a small boy. You know, oh yeah, I'm going to kill all the criminals, little boy. That'll make you feel better, won't it? Um, <laughs> You know, Merry Christmas. It, yeah, exactly. Um, but I did like the humor better than this one. I thought the first part, the humor seemed to be forced. I thought this part, uh, it was a little, you know, more natural. And 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 like Don, I'm going to steal all of Don's good lines. I mean, I like the phone call. You know, Horizon, we had a problem, and then it's oops, wrong number. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I I guess the question I do have is, what exactly did Supernova Fist do? I'm kind of confused there. This is this is where I get I get a little lost sometimes. Like on the zombie island, you know, where Spider-Man shattered some, something glassy and that saved the day. And and now Torch uses Supernova Fist, and it's like, okay, but what did that do? Um, and another thing, I, I got I'm, I'm trying to check the uh, check the issue again. But when 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 they try to shut the air off, and Spider-Man and they're all wearing spacesuits. And Spider-Man takes his gloves off. I mean, is he still in a pressurized cabin, or is it just the air is off? Because the reason I ask is he takes his glove he takes his gloves off, you know. And if the pressure's off, his hands and his his part of his body is still going to explode. <laughs> uh, so well, they taped they taped uh, they taped his costume gloves to like the rest of his spacesuit. Oh, is that what they did? They put the gloves over the yeah. spacesuit gloves? Yeah, they did. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. All right. But no, overall, I gave the issue. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I just must be getting so old senile. I can't see things that are on my face now. But, <laughs> right. I, you know, it was an okay issue. Uh, I, it had some problems, but I still gave it a B-. minus. And George, what do you think, sir? George is passed out. Okay, unfortunately, <laughs> I did not get to read this. Maya, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. We, there was a slight pause, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Um, I did not get to read this. My connection 
that I normally get my stuff from was not there this month. I, I missed my uh, my window of opportunity before he left town to get this. So I actually okay. had to go to the store to try to find it and actually pay money for the brand new verse crap, which I'm kind of ashamed of. And <laughs> I wound up I, I I only got six eighty three and they didn't have six eighty one. So I was not able to read this one. Okay. Uh I'll give it a B minus along the same lines as um JR. Uh, a lot of the same lines hit up previously. I like the the fact that um, what Don hit on about Spider-Man just didn't think of something, which you never see that happen that was me. to a superhero. That was Josh. Or was it Josh? <laughs> that was me. Spider-Man is the everyday hero, and he screws up. You know, he, he forgets stuff. We all forget stuff in real life. And the fact that he didn't remember to do the steel web shooters makes him human. So I thought that was actually pretty nice to have humanization of a character that's supposed to be the most relatable everyman hero that we've got. And st- in previous issues, he would have just invented something. <laughs> well, he invented, he invented something and then he forgot well, he invented he did. the still stuff, but he, the, I guess the forgetfulness is what he makes it. He forgot he invented it, which is kind of funny. Exactly. That's really kind of funny. I, I also like can't the, help myself. I also like that they ended, uh, the they landed on Earth where there's a spring break going on, it's which on is the perfect. Beach. That's what I'm saying. Only a few hours from me. I think I saw Tony in one of the panels. Yes, he was in Spider-Man Speedo. Dancing with Shashan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, the other part, I guess the con, I, what Jr. said, Jameson is just over the top. I, I, maybe it was Peter David or somebody wrote in one of those... Um, comic creators on Spider-Man that Jameson and Aunt May are two of the hardest voices to write because Jameson can almost be a caricature, caricature of himself. But when he's written right, he's he's got motive and you can relate to the guy. He's just a pompous, unrelatable character. The complete opposite of what Spider-Man was in this issue. So that was my con. Um, so be minus out of me. I like the next issue a lot better than this one. I know Don and I are going to disagree <laughs> for that. Hey. Uh, 682, Ends of the Earth, Part 1, Mr. Slot, Caselli. Uh, this starts the big summer crossover in March. So, Don, you you hated the slot talk in this one, if I understand correctly, from your review. Okay, let's do this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. ding, ding, ding. Just don't just don't drop the f bomb and say Felicia's all about sex again. Wait, wait a minute. If this is slot talks, don't talk. Don't we have to do some exposition? You know, like uh, I, Brad Douglas, am now turning this over to Donna. You know, of the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast being recorded on Easter 2012. Okay, that, that was very In the good. Year of our Lord. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Don. What do you think, man? Okay. What, what's your grade on this one? Pro. Uh, Stefano Caselli is my personal favorite uh, ASM artist. I like Ram- I like Ramos, I do, but I like the little details Caselli gives in the art. Like I, I really like how he draws Spider-Man's costume, like with the detail on the gloves and just. I, I mean, I wish that the eyes were bigger, but I, I think that's a really fun way to interpret the guy's costume. Um, Khan, what in the world was that whole Spider-Man glider thing? It's not just the fact that it's obviously made to sell toys, you know, coming this fall, but like. You're telling me that, that Peter Parker took the took the, 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 the goblin pocketbook, the, the goblin bombs, meaning the spidey heads, which I did kinda like, and the goblin glider from a guy who 
not only murdered his girlfriend in front of his eyes with it, but killed his clone. And he says, I don't care how this looks. I want to save people. Shut up. Yeah. That, 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 that is near the knuckle betrayal. Um, and, it, and, it, and because it was given no reason for it, that, that makes it even more annoying. Okay. Pro, I do like kind of – what do I like? I, I, I like, I like Spider-Man being kind of proactive and saying, uh, you fools, we must stop Dr. Octopus now with this whole armor thing at the end. Uh, and the, the con, the dialogue. Um, and okay, you guys remember a couple months ago when Dan Slott wrote that kind of a Sinister Six Modoc issue, where it's I think that there's something along the same lines here. Slot was out of control with his whole Slot <laughs> expositional speak, and I'm and I'm going to uh, I don't really like doing this because I feel that as a reviewer, you should let what you write speak for itself and not not respond as much because it comes off as defending and you not being able to take criticism. But I do want to get. Uh, the guy, uh, oh, let me get his name right. Um, Mike Thirteen said, "You know, you really need to shut up about the dialogue. It's just a cheesy comic book." And I know Chris has a, a question on the message boards, which I'll elaborate later. But essentially, I don't mind when Doctor Octopus is, is a is a, a you know a diabolical supervillain. There's been instances where he's been kind of hammy that I, that don't distract from me, like in Spider-Man Two, and then um, JMS's uh, Doc Ock, which I love. But here, I find the tone doesn't match uh, the rest of his dialogue, essentially. When Sandman says, Doc, you die on us? He says, yes, Sandman, but not today. No one talks like that. And I don't like when that happens because I'll elaborate on it a little bit more later, but that just feels hollow to me. His whole thing about the the octahedron where he's like, you people will be praying for the hell to end uh, and I shall deliver mercy forever or whatever, it – it feels like Slot's really self-indulgent with the super supervillain dialogue, and I, that's just a personal problem for me. I don't really care for that. Um, there was let me look at my review. There's something else that I didn't like. Oh yeah, James Joe and Jameson, and this is even worse than the next issue. His whole I'm shutting down this thing that helps the economy by saving people's lives with their helmet inventions, and you know is pretty much a good for the earth. I'm shutting this down because you nearly killed my son, even though you didn't. It's the most biased, like, prejudicial ruling for a mayor. That, and what makes it worse is that no one's calling him on it. No one's saying, Jonah, you, you can't do this. No, Jonah, this is illegal. And the fact that they're not makes, makes you think that the story makes you want to sympathize with Jameson. But you can't because he's an idiot. And, I, and it, it reminds me of Betty Brant in that, like, the character's actually ridiculous. <laughs> no one's calling them on it. And that, that is a bit of annoying. Um, and also, one last thing, one last thing. Uh, they, they mentioned, oh, the Avengers are, are you know, no problem, and X-Men's off-planet, and Fantastic Four is no planet. Every single one of these villains have all been beaten more times than anybody else in the Marvel Universe by Spider-Man, but no one mentions him. Like, like, like no one says, what about Spider-Man? That doesn't, you don't even cross their minds. It's like, what? So, I mean, okay, this wasn't a horrible issue. None of them really are, but I have personal problems with it. I think that there are things that kind of impede the story. I will give it a C-. minus. Okay. JR, did you like this one? Not really. Um, no? You know, and, and I don't know if it's because I, I just have all kinds of personal hang-ups, you know, and, and can't let myself just simply enjoy a story or, or that I'm just inconsistent. But there were a lot of things that took me out of the story. Um, 
and part of it is, 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 well, first of all, I have to, one thing I do have to say, though, is I did like the idea of Spider-Man copying Norman's tech ideas. I don't know why. I, I wondered what you thought. I don't know why. Todd's right. Why would you, why would you borrow the tech of a mad, mad murdering madman? But the idea of Spider-Man flying on a glider shaped like a spider is just kind of, it's almost kind of delightful and it's just absurdity. Um, but there were just a lot of things that bugged me. Um, you know, because Peter's walking around talking about all the things that he invented and are actually in use now. You know, he talks about, oh, I invented this new polymer for helmets that are saving lives, and I invented this cryo cube for transporting organs. And uh, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, first of all, how long does it how long does it take for from development, you know, to actual mass production of any? Uh, yeah, any product. Years, okay. decades. You know, and again, we're, I know we're talking about comic books, I know, and that's another thing, too. It's like, well, I'll accept this absurdity, but I won't accept that absurdity, which is an absurdity in itself, you know, and, and now my head's about to explode. Uh, but, but, when, but, but if Peter really did invent this stuff that's in this stuff now, wouldn't he be, like, really, really rich? You know, yeah. I mean, well, isn't he, didn't he, like, get, like, a huge check in 648 and buy an apartment's? Well, but I mean, he would be, you know, like Gordon Gecko. You know, like Gordon Gecko just said, I'm not talking about, you know, wearing a uh, $400,000 suit or whatever. I'm talking about being liquid, like owning your own plane, you know. And and, and I think that's what that's the kind of rich that we would be looking at right now for Peter Parker. You know, not just, you know, able to buy a few nice things here and there. Well, he does live in New York City, so. But a million isn't what it used to be. Yeah, I, I, no, I mean, but we would be talking about more than a million. I mean, it's, it's yeah, we, we would talk. Yeah, Bill Gates, rich. Exactly. I would yeah, I mean, right. and it's just he'll be famous. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then I, I, I again have to agree with Don. I mean, this this thing with Jonah's getting out of hand. You know, why doesn't Jonah go pound on the door of the Baxter Building? You know, Reed Richards has got a portal to the negative zone, for Christ's sake. How many times have monsters and shit come flying out of that? You know, and Dr. Doom's time machine in Dr. Doom's time machine there, too. You know, and and, uh, and and and, you know, and the thing is, with all the stuff is Jonas spouting off, isn't he kind of validating Norman Osborn's points, the, the points that Norman Osborn is making in the Avengers, you know, that these people are out of control, you know, and can do serious harm, uh, you know, and. You know, how does he know about Grimy Scrubs' time machine? You know, I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, how, 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 how does he know about that? It's not exact. I mean, did anybody but Peter and, 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 and Grimy, Grady, Grimy know about it? Um, <laughs> Grimy, You know, and I, I will say, that. though, housing Morbius is a legitimate complaint. But, I mean, this, this is, just, again, Jonah's acting insane. And... Again, it's very selective. You know, like I said, you know, you got the portrait, you know, you got monsters flying out of the negative zone, but, you know, Jonah wants to go after, you know, Horizon Labs because of something that didn't happen, like like Don yeah. said. And then Peter, you know, and Mary Jane goes, oh, my God, Doc Ock's trying to, you know, do something crazy to half the world. And Peter says, oh, I thought he was playing something big, but never this big. And it's like, wait a minute, you know. I mean, didn't Carson <laughs> do a story back ages ago where Doc, they went and broke into another dimension, slaughtered everybody and stole the weapons or whatever to, to take. But see, but Doc Ock is a narcissistic mad scientist, and he's dying. You know, he of course he's going to do something big. You don't think that he might want to die and take the entire world with him? You know, that's just that's what narcissistic supervillains do. And mm-hmm. you know, and also 
if Doc Ock can, you know, Doc Ock says I have the solution to global warming. Well, without getting into the whole global warming debate, I mean, if global warming was a problem in the Marvel universe, wouldn't Reed Richards have already put a stop to it? So there, there's, it's, you know, and, and and again, you know, here and some of this is not Slop's fault. For example, you know, Spider-Man is leading the charge against Doctor Octopus. Oh my God, I can't believe all you people are saying that Doctor Octopus is a slow guy because he's going to cure global warming. He's a nut, you know. But when Norman Osborn takes over the world, you know, he just sits and watches TV. Mm. Hawkeye goes ballistic, and Spider-Man says, "Well, you just can't go kill the guy," you know. And then when the <laughs> Avengers go in, and then when the new, the new Avengers going to battle it's luke cage leading the charge against norman it's like what you know but but again that's not slot's fault that's bendis right in it screwy so um and and, and I, I hate to keep ragging i mean because I've, I've used up my a lot of time but you know spider-man walks into the avengers yells avengers assemble tony stark is sitting there in his iron you know i'm sorry if i were spider-man you know anytime i saw tony stark the only way he would leave the room is he with is he would be without all of his teeth and any semblance of two bones being connected to each other you know it's stupid Ooh. you know that after what stark did that that anybody anybody can talk to this guy i mean this son of a bitch would be a parox <laughs> Um, so Qu- I, question, JR, real quick: Is it in character for Doc Ock to do this, to, to cure the world and not blow it up? Well, it, again, he's narcissistic. It's very possible mm-hmm. that he could want to save the world, so there'd be plaques of him everywhere. You know, but that's yeah. but see, I'm not disputing that. I mean, he could, it's just that Peter says, "Well, I didn't think he'd do something this big, huh?" You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he's only one to conquer the world a time or two. I really didn't think he might want to destroy half of it. So it, there's there's so much that take me out of it. I was originally going to give it a C minus, but now that I've listened to this entire red rampage, I'm <laughs> going to give it a D plus. Oh wow, uh, George, you read this one. What do you think, sir? <laughs> All right. Um, here, here's Slot's biggest problem as a writer with this book. Well, one of them. This is for me. It's the most glaring. Here, Dr. Octopus comes across as, well, he's trying to be a global threat, right? Um, he's trying, I mean, normally this guy is like, you know, I have to kill Spider-Man, and you're interfering with my plans to control this or whatever, but it's all localized. It's all like New York stuff. It's, <clears throat> with the exception of, like, one Eric Larson story, remember that Sinister Six thing from the 90s, um, where I think he was going to try to do something with space. I can't remember it now. Um this is pretty, you know, Doc Ock, on, on the grand scheme of things, is pretty low yield. Here they're trying to boost him to the next level, to make him a global threat, right? They're trying to, sort of almost the same thing that they did when they took, you know, Norman out of Spider-Man and made, put him into Avengers and made him Marvel's biggest bad guy for, what, five years? Something like so that, now yeah. they're trying to revamp Doc Octopus and make him the same thing. Um, the part where he's telling the rest of the Sinister Six that the, you know, that uh, he's already been analyzed the Avengers, and he's, at, he's got plans to deal with them. And then they immediately cut later to the story, and there's Thor, and I'm like, yeah, okay, no. <laughs> I'm looking at that, and I'm like, I laughed out loud. I was like, yeah, there's Thor, Iron Man, maybe, Thor, Red Hulk, maybe, because you know he's radiation-related, and Doc's probably got something lined up for him. But I'm like, but no, no, not so much with Thor. Sorry. I just started dealing like with God, and God... Yeah, I just checked again with God, and God says no, not Thor. Well, or not, not in any way that made sense to me, you know. I, anyway, but here, think of how Doc comes across here. I mean, Doc never comes off here as goofy, you know. It, nothing's really played for parody. Well, I mean, other than the fact that you know he's diaper Doc now, and he's not really you know like the octopus we know. 
But I'm thinking back to all the build-up to this. Remember, um, this started, what, uh, half a year ago or more, over half a year ago, when, when they were doing uh, the Fantastic Four tie-in and they bought the Sinister Six, remember, with the zombie mm-hmm. pirates? Remember yep. how in, in that and also in the story where Ock and, and his Sinister Six went up against Modoc and the Wizard and all those guys, uh, what, a few months ago? Right. Remember how jackassy the tone was? How it, it was like it was being played like for 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 gags. Some of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And now we segue, now we segue from that. You know, from that horrible dialogue where it's like, okay, I don't get any kind of menace from these villains because hell, I don't even think they take themselves seriously. To this, where everything is just, oh, this is it, and everything's serious now, and everything's heavy. It doesn't it doesn't mesh. You know what I'm saying? It does not work well. Um, so so. From the get-go, these villains, if this was the intent to get us to this point, these villains should have been betrayed far more sinister before now. No, no Mephisto playing Angry Birds, you know what I mean? You mysterious. If, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to take yeah. it to this level and make it a global threat and, and put it in this kind of perspective to the point where Spider-Man's got to get armor, lol, you know, it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, I think you could probably raise Otto to that level if you take Thor out of the equation. Um, but what we've the build-up doesn't really mesh with it. We it's not really cohesive. I don't think. Now it is offensive to see Spider-Man flying around on a glider and throwing pumpkin bombs. That is, and if there's anyone on the planet Earth that should offend, it's Peter Parker. Um. So yeah, I I, I think Donovan said that. I think I even said that at one point on the boards too. I think we were talking about that. Maybe when that issue, or when people were talking about this earlier. Um. So, yeah, I, I agree on that point. Um, oh, and the global warming thing made me laugh. I, I thought that was funny. I mean, I, I don't know. I just to the, get to the point where you know, at first he's addressing the planet. And he says all three and a half billion or three billion of you. And I'm like, well, actually, we hit seven billion world population wise last <laughs> well, month. Well, I think, I think he's talking about like North and South America, though. I think well, yeah, but his octopus satellites or whatever are all over the damn globe. So I was assuming he was talking to the planet, especially since you see the effects that are popping up in Ecuador and, you know, I think the, the North Pole, um, you know. So I, I, I don't know. I, that, didn't, that didn't mesh very well. Uh, I wanted to email a lot and say – Is there any pros? Um, any pros? Oh, the art was fine. Yeah? <laughs> the art was fine. Um, not really. I mean, this was – now, I, I don't like seeing Spider-Man immediately go into armor. Remember when Spider-Man could just be Spider-Man and he had web shooters and he could defeat people? Now he's using yep. gliders, he's using pumpkin bombs, he's using stealth suits, and he's he using... He has spider balls in this one. Yeah, spider balls, well, and he's well, using... Um, can I ask you a question, George? I mean, he's done this before where he's upgraded his technology. Was it bad then? Yeah, but, 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 but dude, not to the point where it's like, it's, it seems like it's every other month now. Well, I mean, yeah, but, like, I you think know? that what, what Slot's trying to do is just show him how he's trying to be – he's, you know, he's expressing his intelligence. He's expressing his practice as a hero. I, I, I agree with you in that, you know, he doesn't need to do that every issue, but I don't think him doing that in itself is cardinal sin. You know what I'm saying? This is a we're, we're complaining during Brand New Day armor. that he's Hang such on, a this... smart guy. He needs to show his brain. Now he's showing his brain. 
showing his brain is one thing, but arming himself up for World War III when he's going up against the Sinister Six. This is a character that has taken on the Avengers before. This is a character that has defeated the X-Men multiple times. This is a character that, with <laughs> web shooters, defeated, um, defeated Juggernaut. This is a character that, with web shooters, defeated Fire Lord. That has defeated the Hulk. You know, so I mean, having him walk in in armor and saying, oh, let's do this, and I'm like, this this is trying too hard. This, I don't know. It didn't work. It, it didn't sit well with me. Okay. What's your grade, sir? Um, I'll give this one a D. Okay, D, uh, JR uh, is a D also, I think. D plus, yes. D plus. Uh, Don, what was yours? C minus. Amber Tony? I haven't gone yet. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> well, now's your chance. So to that's, go. That, that's that's why you didn't get my grade. Um, I didn't I didn't like this as much as the last issue. Um, now, I was kind of defending, you know, um, against what George was saying about them trying too hard with that. But I do think that they're trying too hard with some other stuff. Um, I feel like during Brand New Day, there was a lot of complaints that Spider-Man was always being talked down to. He was always a wimp. And I think that Slot's, like, heard those complaints, but I feel like he overcompensates with it sometimes. Like, when he has Spider-Man, like, go in a room and immediately take control and be like, I got this, I've been planning for this. Like, I see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, Spider-Man reminding us that he's in control. And sometimes I feel like it's overcompensating, and that's just that just might be because I've been on the internet too long. <laughs> or the Earth's Mightiest Charm thing was kind of funny. I liked when Peter was on the subway, and you, like, get, like, the man-on-the-street New Yorker reactions, like, debating it, and even though they're wrong and Dr. Octopus is evil, like, you know, they make good points that you would imagine in real life they would make, like, well, hey, our subways were running on time. I didn't like that Dr. Octopus has never tried to take over the whole wide world before. This is bigger than anything he's ever done. It's like, shut up, like... <laughs> I hate it when I read, I hate it when I read a book and like they say this villain really got an upgrade like wow they've never been this powerful before. It's telling like, not showing. Hold on one second. Somebody just knocked at the door. Actually, <laughs> it's J. Jonah Jameson. Far as bodyguards. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so let me let me take the laptop to the door. I'm actually quite frightened. <laughs> it's Zach. <laughs> so we're going to have Zach die in a car wreck, and we're going to have Bertoni shot by a burglar here on the Spider-Man broadcast. Wow. Hey, while while Bertoni's getting brutally murdered. Oh, at the door. okay. Thank you. Yeah, she's she's. Uh, they're at uh, Easter dinner right now. They should be back later if you want to play. I'll try to let you stop by. Okay. All right. Happy Easter. Yeah. Somebody dropping off. Uh, a pool toy for the girl. Okay. Um, well, that should not have been on the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> what did I think of the issue? What else of it? Well, we well, had a, we okay. Had a Jonah and Horizon come into the podcast one time, so I guess that's okay. You, you had what? Didn't, didn't you have a dishwasher repairman come in and ask you for an autograph during a podcast? So. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that actually. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right. Now we're talking about the whole Jonah thing with um, Horizon Labs. Let me see how good everyone's memory is. How did Peter get his job at Horizon Labs? Marla Jameson. Marla Jameson. And how did Marla Jameson get in that job? Spider Slayers. (laughs) She was good friends with Max Modell, 
So, like, during all of this, like, maybe Max will say this in a future issue, but, like, how come no one, like, put their hand on his shoulder? Jonah, this isn't what your dead wife would have wanted, remember? She and I were bestest friends because of science. You're shutting down science, which was your wife's favorite thing. Don't do this. You know, don't do this to Marla, Jonah. And then, like, Jonah looks at a picture of Marla. Oh, you're right. Fine. It's... <laughs> like, like, why, why isn't anyone bringing that up to him? Like, legitimately. It's like, this was his dead wife's friend. No one's even questioning Jameson. He just yells at them and says, you got my son killed. I'll kill you all. And, like, everyone's like, he's dry, but we can't worry about that right now. That's you got, you got your son killed, not Dr. Octopus. Like, the guy, you know, the guy who, like, attacked the station. Or, or you know, or, or not that outer space is dangerous in general, and like there's been some, and there's been like astronauts dying, you know, since the space race. We're not as the Marvel universe where there's at least two hundred level supervillains. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's getting into like other stuff. Otherwise, it's I don't like stories where the villains and the people in the story tell you that the villains have never been this powerful before. It's like when Moreland hits Spider-Man back in the JMS run. He's like, no one's ever hit me this hard before. That means that you as a reader should be really invested in this fight, because this is the strongest person I've ever faced. Therefore, the story carries more importance. Uh. Well, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's the whole, uh, you know, Spider-Man's never fought Bullseye before, except for that time that he actually had. Or, you know, he's never had a beard before, except for that time that he actually had. <laughs> Stop fucking holes and everything. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, real quick, just on the side, or, I'm sorry, did you give your grade for Tony? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hijack you. Oh no, it's it's. I'm just wrapping up. I I mean, there were, there really wasn't too much else to say about this issue. Um, I mean, so I'll give it a. I guess I'll give it a C plus. I mean, I like the Earth's Mightiest chat room thing because that's all the Avengers do is sit at Avengers table argue. We've stared at this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that everybody's got the same size chair, including the Red Hulk too. And that somehow I don't know if you noticed that. What were you gonna say, uh, George? How long has it been now since we've seen Carly? The Vulture arc. Three yeah. months? Four months? Huh. Okay. It was the the Mark Wade thing. It's a, it's no, no, she, was, she, was she in there? He was just sad about he, he her. He was just sad about her. In one page, and then that was is it. That, is that quiet admission that, that, that the characters are bust and that they're finally moving away from that? No, she'll be back. I know she'll be, <laughs> I, I know she'll, she'll be back. I'm just saying... <laughs> You know, I mean, here we had... She's the master planner. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, That would suck, but it would actually be one of the better outcomes I think we could actually have. (laughs) Bertoni, what was your grade? I'm sorry. I think it was a D plus or C minus. I don't even remember now. I have short-term memory. (laughs) Um, Just erase my previous grade and put a C minus then. Okay. Gotcha. I'm the only one, I guess, that really liked it a lot. I'm going to give it an A minus. Uh, I thought the artwork, here's the prose, artwork is amazing. I, I think uh, he's surpassed, oh, what's the artist's name? John Romita. Uh, Caselli. He's surpassed, I think, Ramos in my mind as uh, the best-looking, amazing Spider-Man penciler currently doing the book. Um, I, I didn't mind the slot talk too much because um, this is a comic book, and it is a character that is insane and pompous and egotistical and I can kind of see it a little bit more than say a everyday hero everyday villain like say the chameleon or Sandman would talk I think 
Ock is a little bit more pompous. I love how Chameleon's in his Hugh Hefner bathrobe for most of this story. It is true. <laughs> Why is that? He's always doing that. Cause he's just chill. Because he's like in his act- first appearances. He's like an actor. He's waiting for his next role, perhaps. Uh, I also like the the idea of one last big hurrah for Ock, even though he's already died before. Uh, <laughs> um, Twice. I, Three times, I, actually. I, I, you won. Three times he's died. Name him off. During the Clone Saga, Kane killed him, right? Yep. He was in the heart of a nuclear explosion. In the Conway run, the heart of a nuclear explosion. Yeah, what issue was that? Uh, that was May. when he and Aunt May were going to get married. So one fifty. Yeah, ha- Hammerhead was in it too. Right. Um, and then there was a novel that Marv Wolfman wrote, where like Doctor Octopus died, but it was like brought into continuity during Marv Wolfman's run. I get or Marv Wolfman may not have wrote it, but in Marv Wolfman's run, he has Blake Tower like reference it, like, well, Doctor Octopus died. See this novel that Marv Wolfman wrote. Mayhem in Manhattan. Mayhem in Manhattan, yep. So, yeah. That book's pretty rare. I've never read it. It came out in the 70s, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Did you read it, JR? Was it good? Absolutely. I got it first printing. (laughs) Oh, look at you. Well, I am old. So. (laughs) Aw. How how did he die in it, JR? Well, how did he die? uh, He and Spider Man were fighting offshore in some kind of. God, I don't. It has been it has been decades since I read it, but they were fighting in some kind of offshore, like a refinery or a smokestack or something. And and Ock, uh, I think he slid down something, and the the sparks from his tentacles blew it blew the whole thing up. Um, but in, but you know, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't count explosions where there's no body as death. Yeah. I, I never have. I mean, Especially in comics, I, I don't. The, the, Even if you got the body, yeah. Captain America, he still got yeah. Jason Todd. Yeah, exactly. The, the clone thing, though, when Kane broke his neck, I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, he really did die during that one. That was that was stupid. How did he get better? Did, did the hand revive him? Is that Mystic what Ninjas. Mystic Ninjas, that's yeah. right. Gotcha. Uh, another pro artwork. I like the plot. plot. I, I like the brief Mary Jane appearance where he calls her coach. I think that's cute. Um <laughs> Khan, I'm with George. He, I, I like the new ideas. I like that he is an inventor. I, I, but George's critique of every issue he gets a new suit is going to the well a little bit too much. Uh, he, he has that suit that's invisible that Kane's got now. He's got, uh, I, I can't count how many suits he's got. He used to just be black and red. But every issue, if he he has a thing that he needs to solve, generally the answer seems to be, oh, let me build a new suit. Right. I think that's getting to be an old plot device. And and that's what makes it an A-, at least for me, because we don't need another suit, but I can understand from a marketing standpoint, we need to make another action figure. So, A- minus out of me. All right, you guys want to do recommendations, and then we'll hit the message board. Qu- oh, I, Jr., I almost skipped you again. We didn't do this month's spider history. I apologize. No, you don't have to. I mean, uh, no, no, we, we missed. <laughs> He's always trying to get out of it. Brad's like, nice try, Jr. <laughs> I lo- I look forward to spider history every month. So this month we decided to go back to April of 1987. Amazing Spider-Man number 287 came out, ironically. This one has a uh, cover of a black-suited Spider-Man standing over Daredevil that says, quote, stay down, Daredevil. If I have to go through you to stop the kingpin, I will. I remember this. This is Gang Gang War number four, and the title is And There Shall Be a Reckoning, written by Jim Owsley. 
and art by Eric Larson. Really? Hmm. Yep. I did not know that. Take us through this one, JR. Yeah, well, you know, one reason I, always, I, I sometimes try to slip out of doing that is because after such high comedy moments as Who is Joey Z and and uh, the the, son, the Sons of the Tiger team up, I mean, you can't maintain that, you know? It's like, oh, gee, I thought, you know, people listening, well, gee, I thought it'd be funny like Joey Z, that was a dud. <laughs> did, you see, did you see the recent solicitations? Are, I think they're collecting Joey Z, are they not? I don't what? know. I, I just saw who collected it, Joey, Joey Z. Z? Was Joey Z during the Spider Hunt story, or is that after? Yeah, I think right. The Spider Hunt was because of Joey Z. Like that's why everyone was hunting him. Yeah. Like for the murder of Joey Z. Because Jr. recommended it, Marvel is putting it out. They are collecting Joey Z. I kid you not. Uh, okay, amazing two eighty seven gang war. You know this. I, I we're looking at gang war part four, but. Uh, you know, th- this, I've, I kind of have a very schizophrenic look about this, because I did actually go back and, and try to read most of it. It's actually a pretty significant uh, story or a point, not necessarily a story, but a point in Spider-Man history. Uh, because this is like, I think, the very end of Tom DeFalco's run, first run on Spider-Man. He actually only plotted, I think, the first two or three issues, and then Jim Owsley slash Christopher for- Priest took over uh, and uh, and then finished the story. But it's the last one, I think, it, well, no, 288. Well, and then like 289, we have Peter David write the reveal of the Hobgoblin. And then David Michelinie takes over in 290, which, I mean, and that ran, run lasted, I think, longer than Stan's, or almost did. Yeah, it so, was a long time. So Gang War is kind of, you know, right there at the, at the edge of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, some significant changes in, in Spider history. Also, it is just absolutely loaded with... Uh, Hobgoblin-esque references. I mean, if you're if if you're intrigued at all by the Hobgoblin mystery uh, and not thoroughly disgusted like most of us, like oh, well, at least like I was when it finally came to this point. Uh, I mean, all the suspects are here: Roderick Kingsley, Ned Leeds, uh, Lance Bannon. Uh, you know, Chris Keating's kind of doing some funny things in there too. Uh, and it's uh, so you know a lot of the major suspects are there, and it's clear that this leads into 289 because you can definitely see where Owsley takes over and he's definitely having Leeds be the Hobgoblin. Uh, so you, you see that literally, you know, happening. He said, oh, okay, I, I see where this is going now. I, you know, I see Leeds where, where it is that Ned Leeds was, was the Hobgoblin. Didn't he kill um, him? I'm sorry? Didn't, didn't Owsley kill him in, in that one Yeah, in that Spider-Man and Wolverine Yeah, in Wolverine, yeah. That happens after after this, yeah. But but he uh, was dead when these books came out, because Spider-Man vs. Wolverine was released before, uh, like, during, like, part one or two of Gang War. Because by the time 289 came out, Spider-Man vs. Wolverine had been out for months. I knew there was a scheduling conflict, but I didn't remember the details. Oh, well, yeah, it was it was a big cluster F, wasn't it? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the issue that you're doing when Ned asked Peter to go to Berlin with him, or oh no, he asked Lance or something. Like they've already been like <laughs> the Berlin story's already been printed. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds like DeFalco's handing over the reins, isn't he? About to become the editor in chief about this time and shooter on his way out. 
Yeah, probably so. Uh, I, yeah. I I don't know the I don't know my history here, but you're uh, exactly. But uh, well, that's what we got Bertoni here for. He probably knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think Shooter was on the way yeah. out because I was going to make a snide comment about one of our other winners here this month about you know Jim Shooter always talks about quality. How I improved the quality of Marvel Comics during my run when I took over, everything sucked and I made it all better. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, Jim, have you did you actually read all of these comics that came out during your run? <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, you're probably right. DeFalco was probably transitioning into the into the uh, uh, top spot. So he was so this fired was from Amazing. I thought. I'm sorry. I thought he was fired from Amazing. Uh, I don't know. You, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, Chris uh, Owsley slash Priest has a whole story about that. Um, really. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, DeFalco's well, website. Yeah, I saw website. Yeah. DeFalco's just a part of it, but it's called "Why I Never Write Spider-Man Again" or "Why I Don't Read Spider-Man" or something like that. I don't, I don't talk about. Yeah, Spider-Man. why I don't talk about Spider-Man? It, it is. That's right. actually the links. Probably, attorney will come up with it about. 30 I'm looking seconds. at this right now. <laughs> or not? But it is it's a very good story about what was kind of going on. I mean, Marvel was just in a state of chaos. I, I think this was also the time. Was this also the time that Ron Perlman and his goons owned Marvel and were running it into the ground? Um, just uh, a very, very turbulent period at Marvel. Uh, yep. But anyway, this story has, I mean, you know, it's got a lot of action, a lot of supervillains. The thing that kind of bugs me, though, is I, when I, when I, I'm not an expert on the New York crime scene, just like I'm not an expert on peace in the Middle East, which George uh, pointed out in a, in our little window here. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I let, here's, a, you know, they, 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 they do oh, this gang wars going on, and here's all the players. Here's who runs all the gangs. You know, we have the Rose, we have Hammerhead, we have Robot Silvermane, and we have this new group <laughs> trying to, you know, and we have this new group trying to take over the Blue Boys. You know, and it's like, <laughs> and I'm saying, I'm saying, oh, you mean Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi are trying to, you know, take over crime in New York? It's like, oh, no, 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 it's guys, it's guys with, it's guys with blue uh, pillow sheets on their heads. Oh, okay, the blue boys. Okay, uh, and, and of course the king, the kingpin has disappeared, but you know he comes back. But I'm thinking, okay, okay, wait a minute. So all the crime in New York is run and performed by white guys, old white guys. I mean. You know, we don't have the Chinese mobs. We don't have the Vietnamese gangs. We don't have the Russians, although this is 87, so it may be a little early for the Russians to start flooding into here and taking over the crime scene. But it's just it's just one of those that it's like, you know, I mean, really? I mean, isn't it like going to L.A. and all the gangs are white, you know? Uh, you know, the blood and the crypts are all white. I mean, it just, it just really, I mean, I guess I know that it may be a third rail that you don't want, you know, the issue that you don't want to go down, but it's just kind of like all the crime is, is run by, you know, these middle-aged white guys, uh, mostly Italian. So anyway, that was that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, boy, there, I mean, there really is a lot of material here. I mean, it, it is, it's a pretty, it's a decent story. Uh, the very the last part, part five though, is really interesting at the end because here's here's the setup is and this is one of the tiresome aspects. You know, everybody in New the the, the government and New York and everybody thinks that the whole thing would be better if the kingpin kingpin came back and ran crime in New York. Oh, we got to bring the kingpin back because he kept the lid on everything and everything was stable. You know, my attitude is let the sons of bitches kill each other and then go clean up the mess. 
I, I just, <laughs> maybe that's wrong. I mean, because when you look at history, you know, when, when the when the when the Iron Curtain fell, for example, I mean, you know, look at Yugoslavia, and you had a dictator like Tito, you know, and he kept everything <laughs> in an iron iron uh, you know grip. And then when when he died, and the Russian and the Soviet Empire fell, that fell. I mean, that literally fell apart. It fell into you know genocide and and, and ethnic cleansing and everything. So Tito may have been a scumbag. But you know he, he he kept the you know he kept that place from blowing up when he was gone, it it went to hell and, and I don't know maybe that's the same situation they have here but it just kind of gets me it's like well we got to bring this big evil no good mobster back because it was better to have him running crime than having these these guys running crime and it's like that that kind of that kind of bugs me. Spider Man and the cops are trying to do this. No, well, Spider Man's not. Uh, okay. But Dare but Daredevil in fact Spider Man's furious about it. Daredevil and see that's the thing. Daredevil is part of what's making it run. Daredevil, the cops, and the government are all trying are all doing this. So they're they're doing all these Machiavellian type things to bring the king, you know, bring the kingpin back into New York in power. And they're using Spider Man. They're saying, "Hey, Spider Man, you know, something bad's going on. Go punch out these guys." You know, Spider Man says, "Oh yeah, I'll go punch out these guys." And then he says, "Hey, I've been had." And then he goes back to Matt Murdock. <laughs> You know, and I mean, literally, this is the story. And then he goes back to Murdoch and says, Murdoch, you're a son of a bitch. You used me. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and Murdoch says, well, yeah, you're a hot, hot tempered kid who doesn't know nothing. Go away. Did I do that? Um, and, 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 and Spider Man's furious. And, and he gets used yeah. twice. And, but, but where I'm going with this is the last couple of pages Spider Man, the Kingpin's back sitting in behind his desk. Spider Man's just it, back. back crashes in on him and is just wanting to beat the tar out of him. You know, and he says, I've had it with you. I've had it with you manipulating people. I've had it with you sitting there on your fat ass, you know, calling the shots and no one's willing to challenge you, you know, and I'm just going to kick your ass. And then, of course, Daredevil runs in and says, back off, you know, and and, um, you know, Spidey says, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to kill him. But, and then the one cop in the group says, go ahead, I'll close my eyes. Uh, <laughs> but, but Spider-Man then smashes the King's Pen's desk and says, one day, mister, me and you, one day you're going to push me too far. And on that day, heaven help us both. And when I read that, I thought, oh, this is great, because remember, black and black. When yeah. Kingpin had Aunt May shot, and he did, and he went in, and that was the day. It was like when I read this, it was like, holy cow, that happened. You know, they yeah. you know they had their day. Uh, but then, of course, it was automatic. You know, then of course, brand new day happened, and the Kingpin recovered quickly, and and of course, and now the Kingpin's back, which another tiresome plot. You know, we got to bring the you know <laughs> they bring in the Kingpin back. So there's a lot of stuff that just kind of old, cliched, and very tiresome. Uh, and there is some stuff that, as as a spider historian, you know, as you see the hobgoblin thing unfold, even though it didn't unfold particularly well, going and looking back and, and seeing the clues that were left behind, you know, and seeing how that unfolded, and then you see this accidental foreshadowing, you know, it, you don't don't pay a whole lot for it if you see it in the back issue bin, but Gang War would not be, it wouldn't be a bad pickup, it really wouldn't. Wasn't Daredevil in a, a kingpin fat suit? Yes. Yes. Tell me a bit about that. Well, uh, this is one of the king, you know, basically everybody, I think they tell Spider-Man, oh, the kingpin's coming back in town. The kingpin's coming back in town. Oh, yeah, he's coming down Fifth Avenue right now. Go get him, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man <laughs> says, ah, there you are, you old fat pile of shit, you know. And, <laughs> and then he starts railing on him. And then it's like, hey, something doesn't seem right here. So he pulls the kingpin's face off. And yes, he's a daredevil. 
wearing a big kingpin suit. You know? And, yeah. And then, see, and then, and then here's what gets... This is another thing. Radar sensor not, Spider-Man should knock Daredevil... Not, you know, first of all, his first punch should knock his dentures out completely. You know, <laughs> his second punch, you know, should 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 knock his brain loose from his skull. You know, but they always invent these ways for Daredevil to get the the drop on Spider-Man. You know, I hate that. I just really, I hate how Spider-Man is always made to look out like a fool. And and actually, that's happening more now than it used to be in the past. But six seventy seven. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Spider-Man should not. I mean, no, I don't care if he's got radar sense or ice in the back of his head, you know, or whether he can say, hey, Spider-Man, hey, Spider-Man I screwed the black cat, want to smell my fingers, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's making that up, it's true. Yeah, I know. This is the first Daredevil black cat team up, I think. Well, is it? In her ugly-ass costume, too, by the way. Oh, I hate that costume. But, you know, yeah, there's... Uh, oh, and, and Bertone should have a lot of fun with the Flash and Betty moments because Flash... Flash see, this is the thing. Everybody thought this... this, this Mar- I, I don't want to say Flash was stupid. I mean, but, you know, they think, you know, oh, gee, Flash could be the fi- Hobgoblin. Flash, who, you know, wasn't a scientist, who was a... Who was probably a, 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 a stop them. You know, superpowers. You know, certainly no no ability to turn a supervillain phrase. You know, and then and then like when the Hobgoblin first appears in Gang War, Spider-Man says, "Flash, is that you?" It's like, "Oh come on, are you that stupid?" But there are plenty of Flash and you know there are plenty of Betty moments. You know, I mean, basically, you know, Ned comes into the Daily Bugle all pissed off, and you know, and Betty goes, you know, as Bertoni would go, blue, blue, or blue, 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 Ned, where are you, or whatever. And Ned says, "Hey, you've been screwing Flash Thompson, who's all the hobgoblin, you little bitch." You know, please. Exactly what she says too. Like she's like standing by the water cooler, like. I'll embarrass Ned, please. We were only kissing in front of the Daily Bugle building. Yeah. And then later, <laughs> Flash shows up, and he starts smooching on Betty and says, gee, be- oh, yeah, here we go. What part is it? Okay, part five, the conclusion. You know, <laughs> Flash, <laughs> Flash walks into Betty's apartment, and they stop smooching. You stood by me while everyone else thinks I'm the Hobgoblin. <laughs> and, uh, oh, boy. Not the latest issue of Venom. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's, 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 I, I, you know, it's a fun read. It's, it, yeah. It's got a lot of problems, but like I said, as a, you know, if you know your spider history, and if you kind of know the period of time, you know the fact that it's kind of a transition, is an actual transition period in spider history. You know, to you know, from the single Spidey uh, to the married Spidey. You know, from DeFalco to Michelini. You know, um, it's it's yeah, it's like I said, don't yeah. pay a lot for it, but uh, you could do a lot worse. Also came out this month in April 1987 was Web of Spider-Man number 25. This is uh, has Spider-Man being bear-hugged by a green-looking alien with a Mr. T kind of looking mohawk on the top. He's got a yellow cape. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> He's got like a, a green Mr. T mohawk on this alien on the top of his head. He's got a uh, yellow cape and a Count Dracula versus I mean, Count Dracula-looking uh, collar. Spider-Man's in a black suit with a uh, web satchel on his back, and the uh, caption to the left says, Beware the stalker from the stars. 
This one, uh, written by Larry Lieber, who is Stan Lee's brother. It's also, he does the artwork on the Spidey Daily strips, the daily newspaper strips. He, Larry, Stan's brother wrote it, and he also penciled it. Take us away, JR. What in the world happened this time? <laughs> oh, this, this is classic. Zanja, I first can, appearance of Zanja. I can't, you know, I was, uh, my son's playing baseball again, and we had practice uh, yesterday, and thank God I'm not coaching anymore. But, so, you know, it's two-hour practice, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I said, I know what, I'll bring my Spider-Man comics, and I'll sit here in the other dugout, and I'll write up my notes. And yeah. I just went to town on this thing. I, I, I'm not even going to try to use all the material I had on this because it's just so. But first of all, you, you kind of took my intro. One of my intros, it was like, okay, everybody, what is Larry Lieber best known for? He's best known for being Stan's brother. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, now he draws better than I do, which isn't saying much, you know, I mean, but, 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 uh, so the art's not bad, but Larry, Larry is Stan's brother. And this thing. Oh my lord! This is this is seriously craptastic. I mean, you 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 know. I mean, you know when you read the, open the first page, folks. Really, this is fun. I mean, I mean, I'm going to rip make fun of it, but honest to God, really, if you got a quarter or something, this is this is fun. I mean, it, it's it, it's you know you are in for some seriously cheesy sci-fi shit when you open. This one. And, and this, I am reading the opening, okay? And I'm I'm not making this up. The lust for power, like acne, the cockroach, and other fun things, has been has been with us forever. But does it does it grow only in our earthly soil, or can it flourish in distant corners of the cosmic garden? <laughs> That's horrible. I'm making that up. <laughs> and then, behold the planet Signorian and speculate <laughs> and speculate no more. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. And so so we open on the planet Signorian with all these half brothers of the savage dragon gathered around. Oh my god. They're, they're, they're the savage dragon bastard half brothers with Klingon ridges. Okay. And they're talking on the screen, or actually the leader Zanja is talking on the screen to a bald fish faced alien. Okay. And the bald fish Alien says, "I will transport the cosmologizer to you at once." Oh, now, no. This, no, no, this is how helpful an education, educational marvel is, because they have a little asterisk, and down at the bottom, you can see that they're telling you that cosmologizer is really a contraction of cosmic multi-energizer. Oh, wow. So, so, I mean, really, I would, have been, I would have been, I would have kind of gone through the whole thing going, well, what's a cosmologizer? But now that I've seen this, that, oh, it's a contraction for cosmic multi-energizer. Oh, no. So I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot better. Uh, <laughs> any, any, anyway, okay, okay, so, so we leave, we leave the surface of the planet Signorian, okay, and we go now to the planet, neighboring planet, Niginus Nig- 2. Okay. So, so whenever you hear that there's a Niginus 2, you kind of think, well, that means there's probably a Niginus 1, right? You know, like City Alpha 5. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it's like, man, you know, who out there is like, you know, it's so uncreative. You know, it's like, well, we'll be sitting Niginus 1, and you guys be Niginus 2. You know, well, who's going to be the Niginiusans? 
well, I don't know who is, you know, and it's like, anyway, they were drinking Guinness beer is what they were doing. <laughs> One, uh, see, not everybody is loyal to Zanja the Signorian, okay? <laughs> uh, there's one Signorian that runs off to Naginus too, and let's see here. Oh, he okay. He goes and meets with one of the. I get he must be one of the leaders of Naginus too. He is a an orange, a bald orange, blue bug-eyed alien that looks kind of like Jack Kirby would have drawn him. You know, with the black spots all over his head. You know how mm -hmm. Jack Kirby's cosmic pictures kind of had like a lot of little black spots and Kirby big does. black. Okay, so yeah, he's Kirby does. All right. Now, his name is Valu, V-A-L-U. Now, all good Star Trek fans know that one of the villains or was a computer by the, in, by the name of Val. So Larry Lamperstan's brother says, hmm, okay, I'm looking for a name of an alien. Uh, oh, let's see, Star Trek, the apple is on Val. Hmm, Val, I know what. I'll add a U, and I'll have a name of a new character. Valu. So anyway, okay, so, so the train <laughs> has Spider-Man shown up yet? How many pages are we into this thing? Look, we haven't even met Arnie Strunk yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Oh my God! So, I think that's what we've all been waiting for here. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, what ha is the 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 uh, the is making its way towards Signorian. Okay. Good Lord. And. <laughs> Basically, it's a long, cylindrical thing, okay? Now, just, just kind of remember that later when, when Spider-Man finds it. It's, it's long and cylindrical, and you can, you can get a good grip on it with your hand, okay? Yeah, well, is. anyway, <laughs> this laser, you know, the, 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 for some reason, this observatory on Earth is sending out laser beams, and they hit the, trans, the cosmic multi-energizer with their laser beam, and they divert it to Earth. You know, so and anyway, so now we meet this, this petty thief called Arnie Strunk, and Arnie Strunk is complaining about how the big score never comes in, and then all of a sudden the Cosmomultigeyser lands right there, uh, and he says, "Well, this is a piece of crap." So you know, I you know, what am I going to do with it? You know, so he just kind of leaves it, and so then he says, "I need to make a big score." So where does he go? He goes to he happens to be walking by Aunt May's house where Peter oh, of course. is. And when Peter leaves, he steals Aunt May's brooch. Ooh. He grabs What's a brooch? brooch. It's like, you know, a, like a diamond thing that it's called a necklace. Oh, oh, okay. Don't say what it really is. Let people speculate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he steals so Peter changes to Spider Man and goes to get Aunt May's brooch from Arnie Strunk. Anyway, it Anyway, it just so happens that Spider-Man runs into Arnie, where Arnie dropped the Cosmultigeyser. And oh Spider-Man's spider sense tingles whenever he's around it. You know, uh, you know he <laughs> pick it up. Oh, but I... Yes, let, let me see here. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. I forgot this one line of dialogue. Uh, after Arnie Strunk steals the brooch, you know, Aunt May yells, Oh, my brooch! No, no, stop! You know, he says, Aunt May, are you all right? Yes, but he got my brooch. So anyway, uh, I don't know what I'm having. This is painful. So Peter, go painful. Peter goes back to his apartment to analyze the cause multigizer. But he, <laughs> but he can't make a mark on it or open it up. Okay. But as he begins to fool with it, it begins to vibrate. And then it mm. glows. 
And so so right now we have a long cylindrical cosmaltizer that <laughs> that vibrates and glows. And, and then what it does oh. is it opens up a window to another universe and Spider-Man can see the future. Okay? So he sees this cosmic war going on, and he sees all these little alien ships flying around, and attached to one of them is the Cosmultagizer. So he says, aha, I know what this thing is now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh Heavens. It's an energizer, not a Duracell, but an energizer. It's feeding those weapons, increasing their firepower a hundredfold. So, what we have is a, a glowing, vibrating cosmaltogizer that increases firepower. You know, I mean, I'm really getting excited. Okay. So, <laughs> 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 so a spider, oh. Spider-Man says, oh my, says, oh my God, a vibrating, glowing, energizing, firepower, increasing cosmaltogizer is out of my league. I mean, I, I'm better off stealing or recovering old lady's brooches from Arnie Strunk. This, you know, so I can't handle this. So I need to take this obviously dangerous alien weapon to the most trustworthy scientific minds in New York. Uh-oh. The NYPD. <laughs> oh, my God. Swings into the NYPD and says, Science. look. Look, science, baby, science. <laughs> Look, I found this extraterrestrial device. It's a super energizer, probably the deadliest machine in the universe. And the cops say, hey, great, take it down to Darth Vader down the street. Uh, <laughs> which, you know what? I mean, He didn't hit up Reed Richards. He went to the NYPD. Exactly. But, you know, it is funny. Later he says, oh, gee, I didn't think of the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Jared, this has got to be the worst Spider-Man story of all oh, time. No, no, no. But anyway, so he, so, so the NYPD laughs him out, and to be honest, I would laugh him out of the police station as well. <laughs> so anyway, Arnie Strunk's kind of bummed out, you know. Didn't get didn't get the cosmaltogizer, didn't get the old lady's brooch. So he's sitting, he's sitting, you know, feeling sorry for himself, and Zanja appears in Arnie Strunk's apartment, you know, and Arnie, you know, because, cause, you know, Zanju has been following it, and he, I guess he followed some kind of trail to Arnie Strunk, and Zanju says, I seek a cylindrical device that fell in this vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> it, its length is one-third of your height. <laughs> let's, say, let's say that Arnie is six feet tall, okay? So now what we're looking for is a two-foot-long, vibrating, glowing, fire-powered because of the geyser. So, okay, okay. So, Arnie says, well, Spider-Man's got it. You know, and of course, you know, the since this guy, you know, hasn't been talking to his half-brother, the Savage Dragon, in a while, he doesn't know who Spider-Man is. So, he says, oh, okay. So, he said, hmm, I gotta find Spider-Man. So, what I'll do is I'll change myself from a fish giant fish oh, no. looking savage dragon thing with Klingon ridges. I'll transform myself into pure energy and take over Arnie Strunk's body and go find Spider Man. So he does. Makes he sense. takes over Arnie Strunk's Arnie Strunk's body. Uh, wow. 
<laughs> and this is where Spider-Man says, but wait, I'm not the only superhero in town. The Fantastic Four and Avengers live here, too. <laughs> I should have thought of them before. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a member of both teams now. How we get that. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Okay. Anyway, and then so Arnie Strunk shows up and starts fighting for the Cosmologizer. But Spider-Man figures that something is funny is going on because Arnie Strunk shouldn't be able to, you know, trade punches with him or, or bounce off the walls like gravity is meaningless. So... You know, oh, well, he must be uh, possessed. Let's see here. He's not the guy who messed with Aunt May or mugged Aunt May. He's one of the aliens I saw during my close encounter. Wait a minute. Where did he see the aliens? I've I've missed where he saw the aliens. Um, I'm I'm trying to to keep this as brief as possible, so I'm probably missing a few things. I'm trying to see. Where does he run? He doesn't run into aliens at all. Wait a minute. So so, so he he says, I must have. One of these guys when I've seen it, is it about like that that in that issue? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking here and uh, it's oh no, I know what it is. It's the aliens mm. he saw in the holographic projection when the two foot long cosmologist <laughs> showing him the future space battle. Okay, oh, that's okay. I, okay, I'm heavens. I was wrong. So he said, okay, this therefore this alien must be possessing this guy. So I can't beat this guy to a bloody pulp because you know it's not his fault he's possessed by an alien. So I'm going to head for the East River and see if I can draw out the alien. Which of course he does. You know, Zanju turns back into a um, energy and leaves Arnie Strunk's body. Okay, and he wants his energizer. Uh, so anyway, this then you know as they start tangling, this cop shows up. And see, there, there's been this under, there's been this subplot of this cop who believes in UFOs, kind of like a poorly dressed Fox Mulder, uh, <laughs> who, you know, who who believes in UFOs and he's following everybody around. And he 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 starts shooting Zanju or Zanju, and <clears throat> Zanju goes, "What an Earthman who tries to slay me with metal pellets!" Uh, <laughs> so you know it's I mean if, you know of course I mean small metal pellets are no you know no match for somebody who uses a going two foot long you know whatever we've been through that before anyway. <laughs> okay, anyway, Zanju the Signorian is about to crush Spider Man, but then. As he's about to crush Spider-Man, we find out that the poorly dressed police officer who believes in UFOs is actually Valu, Valu the Neguzian, you know. And what's a twist? <laughs> and, and, and but what we what we find and, and Valu uh, between Valu zapping Zanja and Spider-Man slamming him around with his webbing, uh, they neutralize Zanju. And Valu puts electro shackles on him. Okay, all right. Now, of course, now we need some exposition as to what's going on. Okay, so so, so Valu basically says, well, and it's been established earlier that the the, the Nugusians don't travel in space; they only travel in time. Okay. Wow. So what 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 Valu says is he says, well, we don't travel in space; we travel in time. So what happened is I came back to the Earth of 20 years ago, and I took over the body of someone who had just died, and the body was still <laughs> the body was still warm, <laughs> and I restored it to functioning condition, and I moved to the area and became a law officer. Got so. It. Mm. So he waited 20 years for the Cosmultigizer to show up uh, and, 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 and for, you know, Zanja to show up, and he did. So, okay. Now, I know that 
science is not, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm a Star Trek fan, and Star Trek science, you know, is, is, is pretty problematic. But I'm thinking, you know, if you time travel, particularly if you time travel to it, I mean, when you time travel, you're not just traveling through time, you are traveling through space. Because the Earth does not, the Earth and the cosmos do not stand still. I mean, you can't stand and say, I'm going to click a button and, and travel through time. You know, I'm just going to zap myself into, you know, this space 10 years from now because the Earth will have moved during that 10 years. And it's like, but Neguzian is obviously a long way from Earth. So he traveled to Earth. But they only travel through time. They don't travel through space. Trying to wrap my head around that one. Uh, so, you know, if you guys have, wow. if you guys have an answer, let me know. So... <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was hoping that we would get some sciences from from Don. So, <laughs> so Aunt May gives back her brooch, you know, and she says, "I'm so happy to have." Well, but Spiderman gives the Cosmogizer to Valu the the Neguzian, you know, <laughs> and and Valu goes away, you know, and the, wow. the next morning, I'm so happy to have my brooch back, Peter. But I hope you didn't endanger yourself retrieving it. Okay. So. You know, be that what it may, you know, I mean, and be that what it is, you know, hopefully Peter didn't hurt himself, you know, go, you know, going after Aunt May's brooch. But anyway, and, you know, Aunt May says, we live in such perilous times. And Peter says, I know that, Aunt May. In fact, I doubt if anyone on Earth, and Peter looks out the window into the sky, knows that better than I. He's true. Yeah. Jr. Is this the worst Spider-Man like, story of all? No, 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 no. That, that, Are you sure? No, this, sure. This, this is this is my epilogue. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. This was this story was a piece of crap. You know. I you know, like I said, and I have not even touched on the banal and simplistic dialogue. Honestly, we'd be going for the two hours reading and making fun of these lines. I mean, this sounds like a high school freshman's creative writing project. That's how bad it is. But, you know, it's Hypno Hustler bad, okay? You know, yeah. Hypno Hustler where, you know, he's at a di- Peter goes to a disco dressed like John Travolta and decides to combat the Hypno Hustler by sticking web balls in his ears, you know? <laughs> It's that kind of bad, okay? It's over and done in one issue. It's never referred to again. It has no effect. So what is the, what is a bad, what is, the, you know, put it in perspective. What's the worst Spider-Man story? Stalk, beware the stalker from the stars or one more day. One more day. Oh, man, one more day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's dumb. You know, it's, what, and it, it, what did more harm to the character? It, I, I see what you're saying. You know, and really, it's kind of funny when you look back. This is kind of the same story. You know, when Stan was doing Spider-Man, you remember the, the second half of number two, right? The terrible Tinker, when the Tinker, oh, was, yeah. you know, the Tinker was surrounded by aliens trying to conquer the Earth, and they were going to do that by, you know, putting little bugs in transistor radios, you know, and uh, they're going to steal our military, se- all the military secrets, you know, and and the Tinker was an alien too. You know, and then Stan and Steve said, you know what? We don't really want Spider-Man fighting green aliens. <laughs> Obviously, Larry did not get the message. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. I mean, it cost 75 cents back in 1987. I don't know what that maxes out to inflation or these days. But you know what? I, I, and I think this is one reason why comic fans are so demanding. You know, we can look at this now. This comic? <laughs> well, we can look at this now and say, okay, we weren't out much, you know. But right. what if yeah. you paid four dollars for this? 
What if uh. you paid four dollars for this? You would be furious, absolutely <laughs> furious. So you know, okay, yeah, we are demanding, we are picky, but you know what? We does it. We have a right to be, considering what you're charging for. You know. Can you imagine if this was an issue printed today, and and there was the internet and uh. a podcast? <clears throat> the the big stink <laughs> that this would cause. CBR, CBR would say, finally, Spider-Man had Minus Goodson, Stan, and Steve. <laughs> they would give it five stars and say, this is classic Spider-Man, fighting green-skinned aliens with, oh, with ear, fish ears and Klingon ridges. And, wow. and vibrators. And, so. and vibrators, yeah. Uh, also, so so that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> spectacular. You wanted spider <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. Spectacular Spider-Man number 125 also came out this month. This Spider-Man's not on the cover. The black-suited Spider-Woman is, introducing the all-new Spider-Woman, Wrecking Havoc. She goes up against the, the Wrecking Crew of the Thunderball, the Wrecker, the Piledriver, and the Bulldozer. Written by Danny Fingeroth and art by Jim Mooney. Take it away, JR. Okay, <clears throat> had to take a drink there. <laughs> yeah, uh, this yes. sounds that bad. Boy, bring me more scotch! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's put this in this historical uh, context. Uh, spectacular 125 and 126. Oh, okay, yeah. where are you going? Okay. We're out, we're out of scotch, Dad. I'm going to the market. <laughs> okay. Okay. My wife is informing me that she and my daughter are going to Walmart, so I guess she got, you know, I, I don't even want to know. Like, I'm out of here. I don't They're getting that don't more scotch. Like that <laughs> cost me. Um, anyway, okay, this was written by Danny Fingerhoff. <laughs> this is actually I, near the end of Peter David's run. I mean, Peter David, I think, had been writing Spectacular for, I don't know, Josh, you know, I don't know two years now or something like that. And he's kind of nearing the end. I think in the 130s is where Peter David's run came to an end. And this is, uh, I think this he was right. He had lots before. of fill-ins. Yeah. Yeah, this was, like, a, yeah, this was, and, and, and then you had, we, you know, Webb that was basically only fill-ins for a long period of time. So there, there was like, a lot, of, I mean, there's a lot of chaos going on at Marvel a lot at this time. He's in uh, the middle of his mega Black Cat story, which keeps on getting interrupted. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think I think it yeah. wraps up the uh, around the one thirty ish with yep. the part two of the um, uh, Sin Eater. Yeah, oh crap! We... Peter's getting married. I have to break Black Cat and Peter up quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, yeah. This is where the foreigner reveal. Well, later the foreigner reveals that he's been Chris Keating all along. Which, if you know your Hobgoblin history, you'll know that Jim Owsley told Peter David, "I know who the the Hobgoblin is," and Peter David said, "Who?" And Owsley goes, "The foreigner." You know, and Peter David says, no, I created the foreigner, and he's not the hobgoblin. So, uh, and that so voice. Then, so then, uh, yeah, you can, yeah, you can see a, a chubby Jew from New York talking like that, can't you? Anyway, oh. uh, wow. So anyway, 125 and 126. You know, Brad, it's very timely that you picked August, I mean, April 1987 in this appearance of Spider-Woman. You know why? Because I have spent the last few months complaining about how often screwable Madam Web constantly shows up in Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. Well, here she is as Spider-Woman. This is Julia Carter. Yes. Yep. The Julia this is Carter her. Spider-Woman. Okay. She's a single mom here. She is a single mom here with a daughter named Rachel. 
With, now, who's probably the same age? Well, in the seven, <laughs> she is now. She's actually a little younger. In fact, my daughter is named Rachel, so she's actually younger. But I'll go ahead and, and leap to to a conclusion I made. Uh, is you know we see Rachel in both part one and part two. Now you got to realize during this time, Spider Woman has just come back from uh, like they all did from the Beyonders world during that <laughs> epic Secret War, and um, <laughs> which I know I'm insulting you because you guys liked it, but you know I mean come on, it was to sell toys. It was. My Mattel's idea, you know, and, and it was a great idea written by Jim Shooter because Jim Shooter says, "Hey, I can make a shitload of royalties off this." But it is a Western mummy. Anyway, up yours, you Midwestern mummy. So I love it. What we've got here is anyway, the Spider Woman <laughs> is now a fugitive, but she's a fake fugitive. She's not a real fugitive. Because she thinks she's doing some kind of covert work for the government. And once she does this covert work, she'll be cleared. But as it turns out, she's not really – she's working for somebody who's crooked. But, in the, you know, since this is Marvel, we don't tell self-contained stories. We want you to go buy some other piece of shit, you know, and get – So just know that – just know, everybody thinks that Spider-Woman's crooked. She's not really crooked, oh but she's working for a crooked guy. But we won't know how it winds up because we got to go by her title. But anyway, okay. So anyway, Spider-Woman's out in town, and Jonah, Jonah, Jonah's really upset because, you know, what Jonah says, and this is, this is pretty good. Jonah's ranting with, with Peter Parker, and he's going, you know, as if Spider-Man wasn't enough, now there's a Spider-Woman. That blasted wall crawler has gotten him some sort of superpowered girlfriend, and he's gone and corrupted her, <laughs> which is kind of funny and a reasonable assumption. Uh, and he totally forgot about the Spider Woman one. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at, at that point, everyone had, I guess, except so. for That's- Bendis. But but this point, but actually though, the car- carpenter, her costume is is the black costume. Right. Uh, so they're actually dressed alike, which is kind of why Peter is saying, "Oh, I better go, you know, punch out this Spider Woman because she's wearing the same costume as me and making me look bad." Uh, now, well, actually, you remember the the when he went to the the Beyonder, he said, "You know that black suited Spider Woman has a good outfit." Yeah, I thought that's what happened. Yeah, that's what he says. That's what Spider Man says. He's, yeah. Everybody thinks that she's ripped me off, but actually, I took this idea from her. Exactly. But you know, instead of saying, you know. You know, she's making me look bad. He ought to think, well, you know what? Maybe taking her idea of a costume wasn't such a good idea. You know, instead instead of saying, I ripped her idea off. Now she's making me look bad. But anyway, <laughs> um, but really, instead of getting mad at what Jonah should have said, instead of saying, well, Spider-Man's got, uh, you know, a Spider-Woman, what Jonah should have said was, ah, Marvel was so chicken shit afraid that CBS or some other network might create a Spider-Woman that they made sure they trademarked the name first. Ah! <laughs> that's what happened. You know, that's where we got why we got Spider-Woman and She-Hulk. Was yeah, that's true. Marvel. That's true. Oh, CBS might do a Spider-Woman or a She-Hulk. We better do it first. So even though we have no characters in mind and have no stories to tell, let's create the characters. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so anyway, Spider-Woman is actually in Denver. Uh, and, and Jonah is going to send Peter to take pictures of Spider-Woman in Denver. But Marvel must have heard of, uh, uh, Kev- I must be Kevin, Kevin's complaints about how when Spider-Man goes to, like, California, it never looks like California. Or is that George? Somebody's complaining. That's, That's me. me. That's me. They must have heard George's complaints about whenever they take Spider-Man out of New York, <laughs> wherever he goes, never looks like the place that he really goes to. So, actually, what happens is Spider-Woman comes 
to New York. But first, she fights the wrecking crew, okay? She's stealing a computer disk from Dextron Labs, okay? And then the, the wrecking <laughs> crew break in looking for the same disk, all right? And so they fight, and she's, you know, and um, she's trying to escape through a vent in the ceiling, but then the wrecker throws his magic, um, his magic crowbar and says, my crowbar will stop her. And then it hits the ceiling, and Spider-Woman goes, oh, the vibrations are knocking me loose. It missed me, but the vibrations are knocking me loose. So anyway, we got two, oh, dear. We got two long vibrating things. <laughs> this month. <laughs> so anyway, the, you know. Vibrator count two. And here's the thing, you know, okay, one of the, you know, one of the Wrecker's cohorts is Thunderball, okay? You know, it's th- the Wrecker, Thunderball, P- Bulldozer, and Bulldozer and Pile Driver. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, why name yourself a- after a bunch of construction equipment, you know? You already had piled if Thunderball. Why didn't you just go with James Bond villains? Why didn't we have a mm-hmm. Dr. No, a Goldfinger, and an Octopussy, you know? I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So he strikes. Like thunder. <laughs> Tom, Tom Jones sing it too, baby. So, okay. Anyway, Julia escapes. Um, and um, let's see here. I've got to, I've got to go through my notes because I was again writing these during baseball practice. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, Spider-Man Moon follows the wrecking crew to New York. Uh, but actually, here's something that's happened off-panel. Uh, in the in the truest sense of Howard Mackey, uh, the rest of the wrecking crew's been captured, and the wrecker's the only one uh, who's still on the loose. So Spider Woman has, I believe, Spider Woman has the disc, but Spider Man finds her, and Spider Man, no, no, the wrecker has the. God damn it, who's got the disc? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I think the wrecker's got the disc. Okay, and. Then Spider-Man finds Spider-Woman, and then he starts fighting Spider-Woman. And then, in the meantime, the disc gets smashed. There we go. Okay. The Wrecker says, I got the disc back from the web lady, but even though its case looked okay, the disc itself was totally destroyed. It's both of you guys' fault. I'm going to kill you both. And that's the end of the <laughs> <laughs> okay, part two. Man. Yeah, part two. Anyway, like I said, want to get back to the uh, the single mother thing here because we mentioned we mentioned poor little Rachel. Rachel became so traumatized during this story, okay? Because yeah. when we first meet Rachel in part one in issue one twenty five, she's got black hair. However, <laughs> no, this is going. When Julia <laughs> is talking to her later, and she's going, "Mommy, I miss you. Are you going to come home?" And, Sp- and Julia goes, "Not soon, Rachel, or yet, Rachel, but soon. I promise." Rachel is at least two or three years younger and blonde. So I, it, it's, I tell you, just the you know between one issue and the other, it has really traumatized traumatized the young girl. It's that it's that same it's, disease that uh, changes Carly Cooper's hair every other week. <laughs> and probably changes Billy Connors from like from a kid to a teenager to a kid again uh, throughout to the corpse spider to a corpse yeah <laughs> uh, okay so let's see issue one twenty six we okay we get a rehashing of the wrecker's origin uh, his angst and his dying mom see the wrecker was trying to make this big score so he could retire. You know, and, uh, you know, he would he would stop being a criminal because his old mom didn't want him to be a criminal because he's been sending mom money, but mom, mom's not cashing any of the checks. 
So maybe, maybe he's related to that villain in Web, the Homewrecker. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the, Sorry. The, no, the Homewrecker actually is Flash Thompson. You know, oh yeah, there you go. Flash was screwing Betty while she was married to Ned, so really, Flash <laughs> is the Homewrecker. So uh, <laughs> Betty's the Homewrecker. She wrecks her own homes. Now wait a minute, maybe Peter was the apartment wrecker, didn't he? Because he screwed Betty too. Oh man, this. But no, yeah, you're right. Betty's the home wrecker because she screws all these other guys while still married to Flash. Thank you Rex for telling. Flash's home, you know, because yeah. he had a home with Shashan. That's true. That is true. Oh boy, catch my breath again. Okay. Anyway, so Spider Man, you know, the wrecker gets away, and Spider Man says, "Spider Woman, we got to go after her." And Spider Woman, of course, says, "You're crazy. He'll kill us, and if he kills me, I won't see my daughter again." Oh, okay. Um, but, um, you know, and Spider-Man says, you know what? You ain't, the only per- you ain't the only person who's got somebody they love. You know, and, of course, we see the, a floating head of Aunt May in the background. Mm, and, uh, floating heads. Yep. And so, going bowling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah going bowling and, play- and practicing videos so she can, you know, whoop Peter's butt again. Oh, and, the, oh, and Spider-Man tries to call the Avengers and Fantastic Four, but they're both out of town. Of course, <laughs> they're, they're, they're both out of town, just like they were. Just like they, well, you know, yeah, the, the 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 web issue. They were just he had just forgotten they were in town because he went to the NYPD first. Uh, so anyway, so Spider Man's going to go after the uh, the wrecker, but Spider Woman, who says I ain't going to fight the wrecker, uh, finds out that he left his diary behind. So you know, diaries. What do you think of when you think of diaries? You know. You think of teenage girls pouring their hearts out, you know, and talking about their, um, you know, their feelings and their boyfriends or whatever. Somehow the record doesn't really seem like the type to keep a diary. But he does. But he does. So, anyways, the, um, anyway, Spider-Woman grabs the diary. And I know she referred to it as a diary. I'm positive she did. Uh, but, anyway, she go, actually she goes to the record's dying mom. And she dies. But before she dies, she says, oh, by the way, since you've conveniently uh, crawled through my window uh, while I'm dying, I want you to give this letter to my son. Uh, so, you know, she decides. Man, thank you, yeah. boss. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm, skip- I'm skipping the part here where Thunderball has been plotting against the Wrecker the whole time, okay, to take over the Wrecking Crew. Uh, so I've kind of been skipping that part in the interest of time. Uh, but needless to say... While the wrecking crew, while Thunderball and the Wrecker are fighting, Spider-Man bursts in, and between Thunderball and the Wrecking Crew, they knock Spy or Thunderball and the Wrecker, they knock Spider-Man unconscious. The Wrecker goes, "Hey, Spider-Man's out cold," you know, and the Wrecker says, "Well, I'll finish him later after I've destroyed you." Okay, so the Wrecker has his magic crowbar, the magic vibrating crowbar. Spider-Man, you know, Thunderball wants to kill Spider-Man, too. Spider-Man is laying there unconscious. So, do they say, hmm, let's take two seconds and bash Spider-Man's skull in? (laughs) They say, well, we gotta fight first! So, Uh. they fight first. Spider-Man comes to, and then, actually, just before he's about to kill Spider-Man, this cosmic web of energy shows up. And is actually Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Woman protecting Spider-Man, and the wrecking. Cr- and then Thunderball says, "You know what? I should have killed Spider-Man first, after all." Moral uh, <laughs> 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 story is, kill Spider-Man always first. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, just like Spider-Man should have gone to the Fantastic Four and the Avengers first, or just like Spider-Man should have used the magnetic webbing first rather than suck all the oxygen out of the space station. This is the month of I should have done this first. So, you know, could have had states. 
Yeah. Or he could have made a new armor suit. That's how Slot would have fixed it. <laughs> I would have brought my spider glider. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, but Spider-Man gets knocked for a loop again, and this time the Wrecker is going to hit him in the head with the vibrating magic crowbar. But guess what Spider-Woman has brought to the party? Vibrating what? spider webs? The letter from Mom! Uh-huh. Oh, from the time, you know, uh-huh. and he gets, and and he opens the record, opens the letter, and all the uncashed checks fall out, you know, and and it's like, oh no, I should have been, you know, I should have, you know, been with my mom and everything, and he just he goes and he walks away, and that's it, that's the end of the man, yeah. That doesn't sound as bad as the last one, but that doesn't sound awesome either. What did you guys so, think of uh, Julia Carpenter as Spider Man when she first came out? I thought she was cool. I mean, there's some other exposition, you know, involving Mrs. Muggins evicting Peter for missing four months' rent, and then Peter finding out about this 401k he never had, that he goes and raids to pay his rent. And you know what? All is well in the world. You know, Peter has is, has no retirement savings, uh, and, and, you know, Dirk's mom is dead. Uh, and... <laughs> And Spider Woman's Spider Woman's daughter, you know, has an incurable aging and de aging hair color changing disease. Um, and then later she becomes screwable Madam Web. So there Oh man there you go. All of that info. Thoughts on this month, JR, really rough it sounds like. <laughs> really rough, but you know, not as bad as some of the others. You know, like I said, Gang War's not bad. Stalker from the stars, get it for a quarter, laugh your ass off. You know, and if you like the Julia Carpenter screwable Madame Web, eh, go for it. <laughs> What's that bad about really? And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, let's give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their great prices is on Scarlet Spider number six. The description reads that Kane takes on Craven the Hunter's daughter. And also, Madam Web has disturbing visions of the future. When are they not disturbing? She needs to have some happy dreams for a change. Anyway, the cover price, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Also, friend them on Facebook. Just type in Mail Order Comics in the search bar. All right, gang, thanks for listening. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>